0: Lifeway. Lifeway, Leadership. LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm your host, and today I'm here with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And we have a special guest from down the road. Yeah, a and returning guest. A returning guest. Uh, and you know, we should be recording at <laughs> either his place or our place. We should. It's kind we of shameful. Have no excuse. No, we really do not have an excuse. It is. It is Daniel's last day in the office. Officially, it is. Officially, it is. It is. It's so crazy. Later the time in the of this day, recording, yeah. Later in the day, I will um, record my ode to Daniel, my farewell, <laughs> Daniel. I go through. I go through co-host Ken. Yeah, so, it sounds like you yeah. might be the the common problem. I. <laughs> I nobody can hang with me. What can I say? <laughs> Barnabas Piper, Eric Geiger, and now another one has yep. fallen. I always leave him better than I find him, though. Hopefully. (laughs)
2: Most of the time. the jury's still out. We'll
1: have to see. We should probably
2: stop talking about ourselves and start talking about our guests. Well, okay. So, Ken Coleman, if you listened to the podcast last time, it was just me interviewing Ken, and we went through the standard five questions. So, if you haven't listened to that yet, be sure to go back. But on that episode, Ken talks about the proximity principle now this was before the book came out and it was just it was it was kind of in the throes of all of that and we were like hey ken when the book comes out we need to have you back on and we just heard that i mean did your book just hit the wall
0: street bestseller list it did it debuted uh second week of may and uh, we uh, had a couple weeks there on some bestseller lists and was number one on the Wall Street Journal business hardcover. So that was a little bit of a, a nice blessing and really excited about it. And, and uh, it's really connecting with a lot of people right where they are. It's a very practical manual, as you guys know, on how to get where you want to go.
2: Yeah. I mean, and, and if you listen to the Entree Leadership Podcast, yeah. I mean, you're going to hear. Because there is a lot of crossover between our five leadership questions mm-hmm. audience and the and the Entree leadership one because they're both leadership focused. So that's why when we had Ken on last time, we were like, man, we got to get Ken back on and we got to do a whole episode on the proximity principle because we know
1: that this is going to serve the pastors and yes. church leaders listening in really well. And you guys have heard me... Uh You've heard me say things about this principle, even though it may not have sounded like it. So, as we begin to break down this book with Ken, you're at first do don't tap out for you pastor people, especially because uh, I know our our audience is kind of a blend of both. And but I want you to understand that it is for you. It's really practical and it's super important. Uh, and you'll you'll see why.
2: Yeah. So, Ken, why don't you let's let's start off the episode by just breaking it down. In the book, you talk about people, places, and practices.
0: Why don't you break down the proximity principle for us? Yeah, the proximity principle says in order to do what I want to do, I've got to be around people that are doing it and in places where it is happening. So let's talk about your audience. So if they're on a pastoral staff, you think about the role that you want to fill in ministry this works. This works for you because it's all about progress. Proximity positions us where we need to be and propels us to where we want to be. And so if you are wanting to eventually be a lead pastor, you need to be hanging around lead pastors, specifically one-on-one to learn from them, uh, to, to learn from their mistakes, to learn from their uh, victories to figure out how their story connects with your story. There's so much practical knowledge and then deep wisdom that is available to us if we're just putting ourselves in proximity. And then if you think about the places where, where these type of uh, people are hanging out, you know you want to get to the right conferences where those people are hanging out because there's uh, untold benefits. Uh, from being in the right places because that's where we meet more of the right people. And so it is ultimately this beautiful cycle that leads to growth and leads to progress. And it's just simply about getting around the right people and they're going to connect me to more right people. They're going to point me to the right places. When I get in those right places, I'm going to meet more of the right people. And so it really is, if you will, the recipe for continual growth and sustained success. Where have you... Uh, give give us some examples of
2: places where you've seen this just just to give some, you know, put put a little bit more flesh around the concept. Uh, Give us some practical examples of how you've seen this both in your life and maybe within the church context as well.
0: Yeah. So an example from my life is I started into broadcasting at uh, about the age of 32. And when I say started into it, I mean, just, you know, beginning to kick tires and, you know, kind of begin to see what would a broadcasting career look like having no training in it, having no degree in it? And so one of the first things I did was get in the right place. And, and that was a broadcasting school where I could learn the fundamentals and the basics. And it was a eight-week program, six or eight weeks, and I was learning some of the fundamentals and not only learning the fundamentals, but making some great connections, which led to really the first clear path that I had kind of into sports broadcasting and then, and then redirected over time. And the idea here is, is that, you feel as though at times that the mountain is unclimbable and it's just so intimidating. But instead of trying to make it to the top, let's just get to the base of the mountain and let's just figure out what does it take to actually succeed? And, uh, let's just, let's just worry about getting to stage one of that mountain or let's get to base camp. And so that's an example of how early on for me, it gave me some, some momentum and, and sustained me with those huge, huge, you know, monsters we all face fear and doubt. Um, and mm. so proximity helped me get clarity that, yes, this is something that I want to do. Yes, there is a path might take a long time. Uh, but when we clarify, we verify. And so proximity allows us to do that. Now let's talk about your audience. I'll take something from my past. You guys know my background. For years, I got the opportunity to be involved uh, with John Maxwell at the Catalyst Conference. He owned it and, of course, partnered with so many great speakers like Andy Stanley and Louis Giglio and Erwin McManus. And in the early days, this thing kind of came on the scene really quickly and exploded. And at one point at its height, you know, there were 12,000 pastors in the room and I was cutting my teeth as an interviewer doing the Catalyst podcast. I started it. Uh, from scratch, uh, with Gabe Lyons and, and and Brad Lominick eventually came on board with me and co-hosted. Uh, I was doing you know interviews with A-list celebrities at that leadership conference with twelve thousand pastors in the round, the most critical group of people uh, that you could possibly put yourself in front of, and so it was mm-hmm. great for me as well. But I saw at Catalyst the idea of getting in proximity to the right place becoming such a huge issue for so many leaders. It was a gathering in the form of a conference. And so obviously when you're at a conference where you've got some of the leading pastors are speaking, uh, you're going to benefit from that. So that's one example of getting in the right place. But it wasn't just the information that equipped and encouraged the audience, it was the group of people that were there. It became a gathering place and so many relationships were created Um, giving opportunities to people to move into different places in ministry, to move up in ministry. And and the idea that I'm going to be intentional to be around other leaders in my industry or without, excuse me, outside of my industry, where I am collectively hanging with people who are hungry, who want to get more and do more. And so that's an example of, again, just a simple strategic move to constantly be scanning the landscape. For the right people in yeah. the right places. So, Ken, I love this. I love this
2: because the right people plus the right places equals opportunities, yep. as you say in your book. And it makes it makes so much sense. And I listened to you on the Catalyst podcast years ago. It was like over a decade ago, more than a decade ago when you when when that all started
1: like 20 years. Yeah. Ago. Was, yeah. Long, I was at the tower, first yeah. one as we've <laughs> talked about with Brad. Yeah.
2: So I, I get it and it makes so much sense and I can see it in your life and see the progression of how God has led you and directed you throughout these years from that start, you know, broadcasting school and then the podcast and onwards. But I guess my question to you is I a hundred percent agree with you on this, but how do you, how do you prevent people from going way too overboard on this? And in a sense, manipulating it. And, and let me give you a background. I, I'm thinking of I'm at a party or there are some people that I know that I'm talking to them, but they're always kind of scanning the room. They're always looking over your shoulder. Yeah. And looking for someone who's more important. And when someone more important comes, they're kind of like, oh, they they finish up and they go. They're kind of those people who are just, they always seem to be looking for the right people and trying to find the right opportunities. And they're just so searching after that, that it feels slimy to me. How do you prevent yourself from
0: getting there? Yeah, when you understand the distinction between what really the proximity principle is allowing you to do, and it's about connecting, not networking. Okay, so what you're describing is the obnoxious networker, you know, who thinks that this is a speed dating thing on steroids, and I'm trying to make as many touches as I can to see who can help me. And that never works. In fact, we write about that in the book. Uh, we talk about the audacious person versus the obnoxious person. And so, uh, I can explain by saying you need to be audacious enough to ask somebody, who can really give you some solid information to coffee or lunch. That's different than going to a networking event or a cocktail party and being like a mosquito flying around, sucking a little bit of blood out of everybody until you find the one that, oh, this is the one I think can help you the most. And so now I'm going to attach myself to them like a leech. And that's not what this is. This is the one-to-one connection. This is showing value to people by asking what they can share with you from a knowledge standpoint people love to share knowledge so you don't go into this thing going hey who are some right people you can connect me to uh what are the places uh that you can just make happen for me no 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 that comes as a byproduct of investing in the time with somebody who really can give you some valuable information and then they're going to want to help you they're going to steer you but it's not a speed dating process this is deep connections Uh, many times you might need to put yourself around the right people three or four times before you get the opportunity to actually go deep with them. So for instance, Mm, let me give you an example of, mm. let's take an event like catalyst, which was a who's who you guys were there. You could walk into that green room and there would be a who's who in ministry. And if you're a young pastor and you had the opportunity to get in that room, how would you handle that? Well, you wouldn't go around, you know, uh, saying, "Hey, this is who I am. It's what I want to do." Who do you know in my area that uh, would be a great connection for me to, to get hired on at a, at a big church? No, no, <laughs> you're gonna go in there. And you're be just- horrible. <laughs> That's your first and last time in the yeah. Grammar. You're gonna walk up to Andy Stanley if you get that opportunity. You're gonna go, "Hey, Andy, uh, my name's so and so, and this is what I do, and I just want to tell you that I admire you because of this, this, and this. This book made a big, big difference in my life." And uh, I just wanted to say thank you. And I just had one question: what What would you tell a What would you tell a twenty five year old you uh, about the uh, ups and downs of ministry? You know, whatever the question is. My point is, you get a moment with somebody like you? Better ask a really deep question. It's not about yes. you in that moment. You're not asking them to do anything for you. You You look like a human sponge. And if we look like human sponges, not to use the information to advance our career, but to teach ourselves, you look hungry, you look humble. And you, 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 uh, this is Pat Lynchioni's book, hungry, uh, hungry, humble, and people smart. That's the difference. That's audacious. It takes some audacity to walk up to somebody And, uh, say something to them real quick and ask a a really deep question and see what they do with it. Um, and so, so don't be the person where your head's on a swivel, be the person who says, you know what, this, this guy or gal is where I want to be. And I'm going to buy their coffee or buy their lunch because their time is their most valuable commodity. And then I'm going to honor them and provide value to them by letting them be valuable and just asking their opinion. Everybody wants to share their opinion. They're going to feel very honored. So there's a clear distinction here. This is not a book, as you guys know, that is written on how to be a human mosquito. This is about becoming a student and, and, and constantly being strategic and intentional to make sure that you're around people who are doing what you want to do so you can observe so that you can learn for the purposes of growing. So it's not networking, it's deep connections and the deep connection may not be relationally deep, but in five minutes in that green room scenario, you could come away with some real depth. It's an, it's an insight. You will get
1: way farther by asking one good, really insightful question than you will, saying something. So Mm. ask something. Don't say something. Don't show how much you know. Well, it's a good
0: point. Guys, that's why I wrote my first book. Didn't sell very many copies. It's a great book. It's called One Question. It came out of my experience at Catalyst. And the idea was I wanted to prove to the audience that if you if you just are prepared whenever you're around somebody that you really admire with one insightful question, you wouldn't believe where that could take you. They might end up spending 30 minutes with you because you had the foresight to honor them and ask them something. It kind of throws them off because most of the time, you know, people want something as opposed to they want to learn something. Don't want something from somebody, learn something from somebody and you'd be surprised how far that'll take you. Hmm.
1: All right, so I'm going to really key in on what you've talked about from, you know, being audacious, not obnoxious. Uh, and early on, um, you're talking about, you know, pride and fear are, are big-time limitations. But I wanted to key in on that fear piece because you say, you know, hey, a lot of times it's fear of rejection or, or feel fear of failure. And sometimes you have to get through some really hard no's to get to a yes. Can you flesh that out a little bit more? Because I really, that was the first thing I dog-eared in the book.
0: Yeah, well, it's really true. You know, In this process of using proximity to get on the ladder that you want to be on and then move up the ladder, because that's what really we're talking about in this book. So for this audience, we've got an accomplished audience, but many of them aren't where they want to be And even if you are where you want to be, you want to keep growing. I'm living the dream right now, but I am by no means in a mindset where I've arrived. You know, I I want to keep growing. And so how do you use proximity? And the idea here is, is that, that you are going to face unknowns on every level. You're just going to face the unknown. And the unknown is what our biggest fear is. You know, it's, it's just when you're not quite sure how you're going to get where you want to go or you're not quite sure what's the right destination, this is where others come in and can really give you the, the clarity that you need so that you can confidently step forward. So this idea of the no's, what do you do? Because it's terrifying for everybody to get a rejection. That's another big fear. The unknown's the biggest fear. Rejection and failure are right there behind it. So when you get a no. I got this advice from Soledad O'Brien, the, uh, former CNN anchor and reporter. And she talked about early in her career, she had a mentor give her this advice. And it was that when you experience a no, you hear a no, you have to channel that and reframe the no to not yet or not here. And that's a great mindset and it stinks to get rejected. There's no question about it because it feels personal, even though it probably isn't, it feels very personal. And as humans, we, we Todd, what we do is we say, okay, I don't want to feel that anymore. And so we create this protective coding in the form of, we won't put ourselves out there anymore. We won't be audacious because audacity leads us to the, to the risk or the actual chance of experiencing rejection, somebody going, no, you're not the right guy. You're not the right gal. And so what happens is, is we protect ourselves from that by making safe decisions. And we're we're no longer audacious. And we kind of sit around waiting for somebody to kind of tap us on the shoulder and going, Hey, I've been thinking about you, Todd. I think you're a rock star and I've got an opportunity for you. You interested? And nobody does that you also know that I write in the book that the breakthrough for me uh, in my broadcasting career is I had gotten rejected a few times. And so I kind of sat back a little bit and was hoping somebody would notice me on the catalyst stage and go, Hey, where have you been? We need you. And so I sat dormant essentially and only did catalyst stuff for about three, four years. And it was on that back patio where I realized that nobody's sitting around thinking about how they can help Ken Coleman get where he wants to go. Everybody else is going after their thing. I mean, how arrogant is it for me to think, well, Boy, I hope Todd notices me. Hope Daniel notices me. Well, that's insane. Todd and Daniel are focused on their own journey, their own ascension up the ladder. So uh, what happens is, is when we experience those no's, we gotta be very careful um, not to retreat. Let's salve the wound, you know, let the bruise heal, or let's just get going. It's just a bruise, might hurt a little bit, but let's keep moving. So I, I wanna bring this back to, uh, to you know,
1: some of our listeners when they're when they're thinking about, okay, well, what does this mean for me? You know, as a pastor, what does this mean? I, I would say if I look at this, what we've just talked about in particular, being audacious and getting through a lot of no's. I people who've listened to the podcast for a while know that you know, out of the nine campuses that we started, all of those places told me no before they said yes. Mm-hmm. And most of them told me no multiple times before, you know, 2008 hit and uh-oh, most of our donations are gone. Yes, as a performing arts theater, we actually do. Uh, we we are interested in weekly revenue. Um, <laughs> so we, we're suddenly open to you now. And it didn't hurt that you continued having a relationship with us and continuing to You know, have coffee and continuing to go to lunch once or twice a year um, just to see if the lines were open. Another one, I would say people know that I harp on pastors being part of their chamber of commerce um, because very few are. Now, why is that? Well, fear of rejection. Oh, these guys are business guys. They're not going to, do they really want a, a pastor here or what does this have to do with our church or me or Or whatever. And I can tell you that even people that may not treat you terribly well at first, um, when a crisis comes and you've been part of that community for a while, you're going to find effective ministry there. But on top of that, when you're having an egress issue, uh, when you're trying to add uh, parking at your church, or something comes up with zoning, you are going to know and the right person to connect with, or the person who knows the right person to connect with. And you're going to be very thankful that you are part of the Chamber of Commerce. So it is it is getting past some of those fear of rejection and fear of failure things that are going to help you move forward. And if you're wondering, is this too practical for me as a pastor? No, it's not. Um, and I give you those two examples that you've heard me talk about, both of those on the podcast, and just to frame that in the light of this conversation.
0: Well, you know, as Daniel said earlier, as I talk about in the book, the right people plus the right places equals opportunity but as you guys know there's five specific archetypes of people in the book and there's five specific places and all of them are relevant to your audiences pastors no matter what the current goal is. so what's the next so if everybody on audience is going okay I have a I have a good idea what next looks like for me in my role that God has called me to. And as you guys know, each of these archetypes in the book are all extremely practical. If you look at the professor, the producer, the professional, the peer, the mentor, all of those people need to be in our lives on a regular basis, depending on the season that we are in, the the, the particular result that we are going after. And the professor, as you guys know, is not necessarily a classroom professor, but somebody who can teach you what you need in this next season. So from a leadership standpoint, is there a business leader who will, you know, uh, teach you some, some, some basic things that you're lacking in leadership? You know, is that, is that a professional who you may not be able to sit with, but they've got a podcast or, you know, they've, they do a webinar or, you know, whatever the situation is. And then who are the other Pastors that you really admire; these are the producers; these are the high-performing pastors in similar positions that you're in, uh, and they may be half the country away, uh, but you admire them and you can get with them, you know. And then don't get me started on the mentor. I think one area that pastors are the weakest in is is um, having a mentor, somebody who's older than them and walked many many miles. Uh, in similar moccasins and it doesn't have to be a pastor it could be somebody that's just a you know a successful businessman uh, but you know and then the peers so many pastors are isolated and as Jim Rohn said we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with now if, if you just you want to really convict yourself and step on your own toes folks and you just think about for a second outside of your family okay who are the five people you spend the most time with and, and that has a direct result on your life as a leader and as a person. There's a Harvard study. It's about a 75 or maybe 80-year-old study uh, on the value of relationships to our success. And they came out of that study and said that 95% of your success or failure in any area of your life is directly related to the people you were spending time with. Now, that's a sobering thought, but it also ought to be encouraging. And, you know, this idea of, you know, people just rubbing off on you. And and what does that look like? And the environment you put yourself in has so much effect on your ability to lead at at your highest level. Yeah. So I wonder how much when
2: you talk about the, the proximity principle and and being in proximity and in the power of relationships with that that Harvard Business Review study, how much of that actually, you know, is is related to us being in proximity to God and in the scriptures and in spending time with him. And as as we spend time with him, uh, God bringing about those relationships and bringing about his opportunities before us. What do you think about that? Well, of
0: course, I agree with that. As you guys know, this is a very practical book on, on the right people in the right places but in the context of what we're talking about, there's no question that uh, that preaches that's, that's just good stuff right there. You know, the power of the Holy spirit. I mean, these, these pastors know full well when Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, he leaves, I'm paraphrasing. He says, I'm leaving you so that he, the Holy Spirit can come and guide you. So it's it's interesting that Jesus leaves the disciples so that the Holy Spirit can descend and it is the Holy Spirit that convicts us, the Holy Spirit that guides us and the Holy Spirit who gives us the power uh, to be who God created us to be. So there's no question that you, know, you can spend all the time you want around the right people in the right places but you're not going to truly have the full benefit of those people and places in your life without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, without the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I, I think, you know, there, it, it, this is a very good point. You know, we talked about catalyst earlier. There was a season where we saw personal growth and leadership content explode in the church space, which is great. I mean, John Maxwell really, you know, somebody I worked for for a long time and I have known him for a very long time and he ushered in a lot of leadership resources in that let business leadership training so that you could be more effective in leading the flock that God has given you to steward. But if we're not careful, mm-hmm. you kind of get so focused on all those things and, and we forget, Hey, you know, I got to, I got to get where God is at. You know, the the Experiencing God study by Henry Blackaby is what popped in my mind, Danny, when you asked that. You know, we need to get where God is moving and get in proximity where the Holy Spirit's power is on others. And so, yeah, I would add that. You know, if I was going (laughs) to add a chapter to it, it would be the Holy Spirit.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, before I ask you another question, just about career trajectory and next steps and all that, let's just hear a quick word from our sponsor and we'll get into that. Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start with volunteer training? Or if you do, is it hard to get everyone in the same place at the same time? Well, Ministry Grid makes it simple to train every volunteer and leader in your church. With a library of over 3,500 videos and 800 courses, you'll find training for every ministry area and leadership level. From volunteers to leaders to ministry directors, Ministry Grid's scope and sequence of training makes it easy to know who needs what training. And here's the best news of all. For the month of August, you can get unlimited access to Ministry Grid for your entire church for just $399 a year. And every year after that, you're locked into that price. If you want to take advantage of this incredible deal, just go to ministrygrid.com slash podcast to get unlimited training for $399. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the interview. All right, Ken, so my question to you on... Let's say those who are listening in and and are thinking about transition. They're thinking about transitioning, uh, maybe within the the same organization they're at, a different role in the church, or maybe even going to a different church or organization. So as I reflect on my transitions throughout my life and even my recent one in, in moving back to Canada and in, and back into uh, back to the church that I come from, Beulah Alliance Church, as I think about the way this entire transition happened, Yes, I was. I guess in the right place, and 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 opportunities came up. And there are a lot of people that actually, you know, I I can see the connections there. I I see that all over. But but if you if I were to sit down with you and we were to have coffee and I were to tell you the entire story, it was definitely a hundred percent god going before me and bringing about this opportunity because i was not looking to move move back to canada i was not looking to this position or to to go back to the church i love the church but i just wasn't it was just not on my radar yet as i was seeking the lord and as i was continuing to just yeah put him first in my life this opportunity came up that i just was total curveball so what do you what do you think of i mean what advice would you give pastors or church leaders or individuals thinking about next step transition and just that whole aspect about it?
0: Well, uh, I'm not quite sure if I understand your question because your situation, you know, obviously God directed you there, but you were in the right place. You were where you were supposed to be at the time, you know, and so we talk about this the Mm -hmm. first place in the book where you are. You know, we overlook many times yeah. this idea of just being faithful where we are, and and in this situation, God's going to direct our steps. And so, and he talks about being faithful in the little things, and we and and then we look at, okay, I've got to win in the now, or there is no next. And God wants to see if I'm just going to be faithful with where He has me. You know, I think of David, you know, I think of Joseph. I think uh, Joseph is probably my favorite person in the Bible because his whole life was this kind of redirection. And he's kind of, you know, he's in, you know he's, he's in prison and, you know, he's a servant and he's, just, you know, all over the place. And he's doing all these other things. He's got to be faithful. He's like, God, this is where God has me right now. And then God kept moving Joseph up. Uh, but for somebody who's thinking about transition, again, uh, this is in the context of practical things you can do. And so what you've got to do is you've got to, you've got to trust the Lord, you know, in your quiet time, you go, okay, I feel God's leading me to something else. I'm not maybe quite sure what it is or where it is, but this is what I want to be doing. And so what does the steps of faith look like? The practical steps of faith are you got to be communicating to people and saying, hey, um, with discretion and, and whatever that, that looks like, but you're talking to people, relationships all around the country going, hey, I'm not sure, um, where God is stirring and what he's stirring, but I'm feeling it's stirring. And and I think this is where the type of work that I want to be doing, or this is the type of pastor, or this is the type of role, or this is the type of culture I need to be in. And you're beginning to trust God by just expressing it to your acquaintances, to your close personal network. I have countless examples of that in my life. That's how I got to Ramsey Solutions. Didn't see that coming. Um, You know, like you talked about in your story, but I was already taking steps in other areas And while I didn't see Ramsey Solutions as being that next step, it came to me and God kicked the door wide open. I didn't even have to pray about it. Somebody said to me, did you you pray about it? I said, no, I didn't pray about it. And people go, what? Go, Let's think about this for a second. I had already been praying in a season of fasting. My wife and I put our house in the market. We told our neighbors, we think we're going to be moving to something. We don't know what, and we don't know where, but God's asking us to sell our house. We're going to put it up on the market. We're going to rent locally so that we're on the move, ready to go, flexible four months later we sell the house a month later dave offers me the gig i didn't need to pray about it i had already been praying about it god kicked the door down i'm not gonna go hey god is that you did you really do that i mean it was obvious so that would be my comment there is that uh, you don't always have to be specifically knocking on a door but you have to be spiritually and mentally and emotionally all on the same page and putting it out there. And, and again, by being around the right people and in the right places, and by the way, there's more people and places than we can do in the book. We're giving people a game plan and letting them see that it is a practical action mentality. That's what proximity is. And when you do that again, I believe God smiles and he honors it.
2: Awesome.
1: So
0: we've talked a lot about,
1: uh, to this point, we've talked a lot about the people and the places, um, but there's a third part that you break down the book uh, really well, and that's the practices. So um, can you, uh, you know, with the, with the time that we have left, I want to make sure that we uh, hit that. Can you talk about the practices that go along with the, the people and places? What are the things that, you know?
0: Yeah, well, there, as you know, there's a there's a back section, and that's where we go into practices. We talked a little bit about the audacious versus obnoxious. We cover that, you know, how to make sure that you're you're humble as you are hustling. Uh, but I'll focus on one of the chapters there, which I think is so great for this audience, and 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 that's this proximity mindset. So how do we adopt a proximity mindset to where this becomes habitual in our lives? And again, very important to point out. I'm glad you brought it up, Daniel. This is not turning yourself into the RoboCop, you know, jerk that every time you're interacting with people, they can tell you're screening them for whether or not they're important for you. That's not what we're talking about here. You know what I mean? What we're talking about here is that the proximity mindset um, is about maximizing on the present. And the way you do that is knowing your role accepting your role and maximizing your role. And I don't even care if you're a senior pastor. This proximity mindset keeps you in a place where you can be humble and God can continue to teach and mold you. And so this works for the 22-year-old pastor right out of school. And this works for the 52-year-old pastor. But here's the formula. The proximity mindset is about knowing your role. That's clarity. So if you're a youth pastor right now and it's your first gig out of college or whatever it is, and you've got your sight set on something much bigger, much higher up the ladder, that's fine. Okay, that, that is of God and that's okay. But we want to keep that ambition in check. And the way we do that is saying, okay, God, you've got me here right now. So I'm an assistant youth guy or I'm a youth guy or I'm whatever, I don't know what the role is. But the point is you got to know your role and let's be very clear on what that church is expecting from you. What is your leader expecting for you? What does a win look like in this role? So I know you want to be a senior pastor and preach in front of thousands. Great. That's not your role. Your role is to come in here and do this. And and let's, let's get your leader to write down on a piece of paper like we do at Ramsey Solutions, your key responsibility areas so that you and your leader are very clear on what a win looks like. That's what I mean when I say clarity. Number two is accept your role. This is an attitude issue. This is, there is no next. God will not honor my dreams and ambitions if I'm not faithful now. And so it is being faithful in the now that gives me the next. And so I'm going to accept my role. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to learn. Even if I don't have a great leader above me, I'm going to try to lead up. I'm going to try to lead, be that 360 leader as John Maxwell talks about. I'm going to try to lead all the way around, but I'm going to be grateful and, and have a, an attitude of gratitude towards the Lord and the people I work with, the people that I'm serving, because there is no next if I'm not faithful in the now. And then finally, it's maximize your role. And this is effort. And this is going above and beyond what that clarity looks like. So this is what a win looks like. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to be faithful with a great attitude about it. But I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to do things uh, above and beyond and go way further. Serve more. Uh, Serve uh, in capacities where no one else is serving. But I can put a little bit extra time each week in here to try to make up for it. You get impatient and you start getting out of the the flow of looking uh, to this daily role that God has gifted me and we start getting impatient and we start trying to do things on our own and the Holy Spirit's power is effectively negated uh, and this this three-pronged approach um, will allow you to stay in the moment and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and and the opportunities will never be wanting. You'll have opportunities come to you like you talked about in this Canada. If you're, if you're, if you're knowing your role, accepting your role and maximizing your role, um, God's going to do some wonderful things with you. And at the most unexpected times.
2: Well, thanks again, Ken, for being on the podcast with us. Thank you for writing this book as well and for sharing your heart about The Proximity Principle, how you've seen it uh, live out in your life and, and in others as well. So be sure to pick up a copy of this book, The Proximity Principle, The Proven Strategy that'll lead to the career you love everywhere books are sold. And also, if you haven't yet checked out the Ask Me Anything podcast, that's a podcast with JD Greer and Matt Love. They're a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network family, and they've covered a lot of great topics recently. So just like the New Church's Q&A podcast, they're question and answer based. So be sure to just look up, ask me anything, and subscribe today. I'll catch you guys next time.